This is the series that we've been in. I am not Pastor Adem, the National Field Director for Link. That was last week. But I will take that badge of honor. I will take that badge of honor. So we're, we're, the, the story, the Bible tells a story, and you have a part to play. That, that's, the, that's the series that we're in. The next slide's going to show you what the whole series is about. We're, we're taking a piece of that every single week. So every single week, we're taking a piece of it. And the next slide is going to show you that's how far we've gotten. This will be the longest series that we've ever done in the history of the church. Longest series that we've ever done, but we, we're going to get to this tonight a little bit in this message. We want you to be familiar with what the gospel means. We want you to be familiar with the story of the Bible from Genesis to Revelation from beginning to end because we're called to tell that story. So you need to be familiar with it, how it works. That's one of the reasons why we're doing these story cards, to give you a resource that talks to people about their need for being rescued. So every week, we're just dropping in a new part, and we're not, again, we're not going to rush through it. We're going to stay with it until we're done. So let me talk to the people you've been here. So if you call City Life Church your home, if you've been here for several weeks or you've been here for several years, I, I want to talk to the City Life family for a few minutes about a few things, and then I'm going to shift to you're new here. So if, 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 you're at a place where you're asking the question, I, I'm not sure if this church is supposed to be the church that I'm supposed to call home, then I'm going to share some things with you tonight that will help you make that decision. This next slide, I, I've, been, I've been waiting to show this slide for weeks now. We, we are experiencing historic giving in our monthly missions giving, right? Can you just clap for that? We, historic giving, we, we wiped out, there's two times in the history of the church that we've wiped out our waiting list, so we're rebuilding a new waiting list now for missions organizations and missionaries. This is the money that's going out every month from our church. Uh, I'm not, again, I'm not going to read through all of that. If you've got questions about any of those, you can let us know. We'd love to talk to you about it. Anonymous is on there because that's a missionary that's working in a closed country, uh, it's a missionary that's, that's working in a place where Christianity is illegal, uh, and so for their protection, we don't share who that is. Uh, but uh, the, the three new ones are Unfolding World, Channel 2 Brazil, and uh, Hope for Hispaniola. Those are the three. Unfolding uh, World is a Bible translation ministry. Uh, Channel 2 Brazil is a new ministry. We're going to be talking about them. I think there's a deeper partnership we're going to be doing with, with them. Celeste Agate works for them. And then Hope for Hispaniola, the Hiltzes, uh, introduced us to that uh, missionary and missions organization. Hispaniola is the landmass for uh, Haiti and the Dominican Republic. Uh, and then with uh, the last one there is our, our partnership. Pastor Adem, again, was here last week. Uh, that we're excited about our partnership that's happening with uh, the ministry that's going on in Niger. So, uh, so we're that $1,300, but every dollar that comes in that you give for missions goes right back out the door. We keep none of that here, none of that here. And uh, so we're, we're, con we're determined we are not going to be the church that is the part of the parable of Jesus of the talents where they dug a hole, put it in the ground, and waited for the master to return. We're, all the money that comes in for missions, all that's going right back out. And so part of that for missions, we just want to give you an update too. We uh, did the uh, update with, with uh, Pastor Edward, but there's a, a slide that's going to pop up here that's going to have some pictures on it. Uh, the one in this lower corner here, uh, this is building the security wall around that property for their 
for their new church, and so that's the $10,000 that we were able to give. The one above that, we're just keeping you up to date there. Uh, the mission trip that I talked about, the hottest I've ever been in 2014, the young man that I met there, we've shared this with you before, they, they'll, they lost their earthquake uh, in, uh, uh, back last August, and so they lost their home, and so we were able to send $16,000 there to uh, help rebuild their home. The carpenters are going to be showing up on site next week. Uh, and so as I get pictures, I'm going to be updating you. Come on, you can clap for that. And then I just, I'm going to keep throwing in pictures like this on the side. There's Pastor Adem in the blue and white check shirt there in the middle. You can see him. He's translating. That's Mitch Bennett there. One of the elders at Mechanicsville Christian Center was on that trip with us back in March. Uh, there we were in a well in a village in Niger. And Mitch was talking to this woman about the gospel. I, when, I, I'm just... I'm asking you to pray. By the end of 2023, is God asking you to go on one of these mission trips to Niger? It, it will change your life forever. This is, you, there will be moments where you feel like you stepped into the pages of the Bible. And this was one of those moments for me. We're standing at a well talking to people of the God, about the gospel here in this desert place. And, and you just something stirs inside of you. It comes alive. And so I'm trusting that some of you, those experiences are waiting for you. So praying that you're going to be a part of one of those trips. I'm, you, you, when you see the cost of those trips, again, you, do, do not let money stop you. If, when, when you start raising money for those missions trips, the money's going to come in. I've never known a person, I've been in pastoral ministry for over 20 years, I've never met a person who felt like God called them to go on a mission trip, and then when they started raising the money, they couldn't raise it and didn't go. God always, you've got to take a step of obedience, there's some work that you have to do, but the money always comes in. So we're excited about the missions work, and thank you for funding these types of trips, and these type, your generosity is making that happen. All right, the next slide for me. I've never been more excited about telling you that we're not going to have a church service. <laughs> never been more excited. I, I shared a little bit about this last week. When I, when I was in Niger in March, one of the things that God did a lot of things in, in my heart on that trip, and I'll be talking about that in the weeks and the months to come, but, and I already have to some degree. But, but one of the things I shared with you last week when I was introducing Pastor Adem was that when I was there, I had this realization if Pastor Adem were to send a missions team to City Life Church, I'm not sure we would have enough for them to do. And that convicted my heart, and, and it helped me to realize that too much of what we do is happening inside the four walls of this church. And so when I came back, you've, you've, I've shared this with, with some of you before, that we met with the elders, and we, we, we've got to do more in our city. We've got to do more in our city. And, and so, so one of the communities that, that we've identified and selected is the Aqueducts. It's an under-resourced community up on the way to the Denby area of Newport News. And you've seen some, some promos for this at our church. But on Saturday, July 30th, we're going to be partnering with Lifehouse Church. We're going to be building beds there on site. We're doing a big block party. There's a huge bed building project because lots of kids in the city are still sleeping on the ground. And come on, let's change that. That's within our power. To we can't change every thing that's, that's broken in our city, but we can change that. We can change that. And so there's multiple shifts that you're going to be able to sign up for. We're doing a big block party, but we don't want to be that church that shows up and then doesn't come back again for another year. And so this is to meet a practical need in the aqueducts, but it's also the, it's the introduction 
for what we believe to be is going to be a long-term relationship. There's a boys and girls club there in that community that we've made some connection with, and we're going to start asking the question, how can we have a regular presence in that community? Both in meeting practical needs, but also to bring the story of the gospel to people that are there. And so this is just, we know we're not going to, all the ways that we're going to change as a church to get outside of these four walls aren't going to happen overnight, but you got to start somewhere. you got to start somewhere. And this is one of the ways that we're going to be starting. And so I hope that you're going to be joining us in that, not just for the outreach that it's going to be, but if you call this your church home, that you're going to partner with us in, in beginning to pray and say, God, how can you help us get beyond the four walls of this church? So July 30th, if you show up here, know the rapture did not happen and you got left behind. We are, we are in the aqueduct community and we trust that you're going to be joining us there. Let me just jump to this one too, this next slide. Let me just give you an update too. Again, if you call this your church home, this, this, this is important here. If you, if you look in January to February to March into April and May, the giving of City Life this year just keeps going up and up and up. And, and that's, you can clap for that too. Come on. And that's not the story. That's not the story of, of every church, especially with what's going on in the economy, especially coming out of the pandemic. What, what you, there's a, a, a demarcation for January and April because those are five-week months. That's important because it kind of dilutes a little bit your average weekly offering. But the next row down is the average weekly offering. And then the last row that you see there that starts with 9811 and 121.31, that, that's an important figure that we've started to use here to measure the health and the giving of our church. We, we are a 300-person church. That's how we were a 300-person church in January. We're a 300-person church now. That's kids and adults. You take that, divide it by the giving, it gives you a benchmark. So you can see for every month the giving per person has just been going up. So I just wanted to take a moment and say thank you to the generosity of this church for what we're able to do with the money that you're trusting us with. The 22 weeks from January to May, that's what we had budgeted giving to be. We're about 8,000 back on that. That's normal for us as a trend. Usually you see for most churches, giving is backloaded in the, in the back end of the year. That's just a typical trend. And so our goal for June to December in the last 31 weeks, I believe we're going to make that up. We do every year that we're going to see the 258, 440 come in over the remaining 31 weeks. That would be an average monthly giving of the 36,920, average weekly giving, and the average giving per person. So we're going to be touching on this slide and the missions giving slide just for a couple of minutes for the next few weeks because I know this is going to come as a shock to you, but people don't come to church every single weekend. And I know this is also going to come as a shock to you that when they come, when they don't come, they don't necessarily watch the service online. I know that's a shocker. So we're coming for you. So we're going to find you where you are. And uh, because we want to say thank you. We want to say thank you. And uh, so every, just for a couple of minutes each week for the next few weeks, I think we'll do it every Saturday in June. I'll just give a little touch point for missions giving and then also uh, for here, for this, uh, for where we are, what's happening here and, and what we believe is going to keep happening. So thank you. All right, so let's talk about if you're new here. Let's talk about if you're new here. We, we know that finding a church to call home is important to you if you're here. But we also know that it's not just important. I'm going to slip a word in there. I'm going to, I'm going to say that it's sacred. It's, it's, it's a sacred decision to posture yourself 
in a spiritual community. And, and we've been saying this from the beginning of this church when it planted back in the early 2000s, that if city life is not the church for you, then let us help you find the church that you're supposed to call home. Life is too short to live your life as a spiritual orphan. And so our hope, our hope is, is not that everybody's going to come to City Life Church. Our hope is that everybody who follows Jesus is going to find a church to call home somewhere. And so whether that's here or somewhere else, we'd love to talk with you about some great churches in our area. But if you do feel like it could be City Life, then let me just talk to you for a few minutes about some of the things about our church that you should know. Well, one is that we've got four core values here as a church, four core values. And the first one is ministry, ministry, what we're calling our best effort. I love Pastor Adem's message, Prepared for a Higher Purpose, last week, because we believe that you're prepared for a higher purpose. We believe that one of our responsibilities as a church family is to help you connect to the belief that God created you to do some things for him. Not because he needs workers, but because he knows what purpose and destiny does in someone's heart. It's like when you're a parent and you invite one of your kids. You don't, you don't need their help. In fact, you know by relying on their help, it's probably going to take you a little bit longer to do it. But you extend that invitation because you know what it does in their heart. Our Father does the same thing for us. He's got things that He wants to invite you into, not because He can't do it Himself, but because He's a perfect Father. And He wants you to have that feeling of being invited by Him into doing something, into an assignment that He's prepared just for you. We want to be a church that helps connect you to that idea, helps help you find a relationship where you begin to hear the voice of God in your life and you begin to understand some of the things that he's called you to. Ministry, our best effort, it's for that. It's about destiny assignment, but can I just tell you, it's also to remind you that Christianity is about serving other people. It's about serving other people. If for you, Christianity has always been showing up for what you get out of it, at some point that's got to shift for you. Not that you're not supposed to get something out of it. Not that weekend worship services aren't supposed to be spiritually meaningful for you, as it was for some of you here tonight. But at some point, what you've got to add to your practice is that you become the person that's helped making that experience possible for someone else. We ask people to serve just 12 times, just 12 times a year, just once a month, that you would serve in some capacity. And, and I, if you get into that routine, I'll tell you this. Those will be some of the most meaningful services that you will leave here with. You'll leave here with this feeling of, I helped make that happen for someone else. You might be standing in a blue shirt and seeing someone here down at the altar. You, you, you might be, may be working in the nursery. And somebody comes back to pick up their kids and you can see that they've been crying. There's going to be a feeling inside of you. I helped make that encounter, encounter possible for them. You and I, our best effort, we were made to serve one another. Our next one is this, diversity, our warmest welcome. Diversity, our warmest welcome. There's three words that are important to us when we think about diversity. The, the first one is this, is this, is celebration. You don't have to agree with everyone's cause. You don't have to agree with everyone's belief. You don't have to agree with everyone's position. But if they are a brother and sister in Christ, we should be celebrating who they are as a person. This is important for us. It's one of the reasons why churches are not diverse is because they feel like I can't celebrate you unless I agree with you. And what we want to say is, no, we're going to celebrate you because you're a child of God. 
We're going to celebrate you because you're made in his image. We're going to celebrate you. Even if I don't understand the things that you're passionate about, I'm going to trust that God has stirred up those passions inside of you. And so I'm going to cheer you on from the sideline. Celebration is an important word. Collaboration is an important word for us. And in the same way, collaboration is a kind of a cousin to celebration. I don't have to agree with everything about you to work along beside you. You cannot read in the New Testament from Acts all the way to Revelation and not discover that 2,000 years ago the church was struggling with the same things that it's struggling with today. All of the apostles were constantly writing in their epistles, challenging one another to find a sense of harmony with each other. Not to pursue sameness. We're not going to agree on everything, but we need each other to accomplish the work that Christ has put in front of us. We're going to need to work alongside people, whether we agree with them about everything or not, that our life is supposed to be joined with them in a partnership to build the kingdom of heaven. If you've never read the book by John MacArthur, 12 Ordinary Men, I don't recommend a lot about John MacArthur because I don't like a lot of his positions, but 12 Ordinary Men is a phenomenal book. I reference it all the time. When you look at the history of those 12 disciples, it's as though God said to Jesus, I want you to pick 12 people that will never get along with each other. It's like when you, when you read this book, you will discover, because we've just grown up believing that all 12 of these, they all came out of the same nation. They all were picked by Jesus. It's like they just had this natural flow with each other. But when you begin to read the history and the background of these 12 men, there was nothing of their life experience that you would say, I'm going to let this group be my team. I think that's on purpose. I think because Jesus was giving us a metaphor for what church was going to be like until he came home. You've got to be willing to collaborate with other people. And the last one of this is consideration. This is my favorite one. You've got to be willing to consider that sometimes you're the one that's wrong. I know. You, you've got to be open to the possibility that maybe there are some views that you have that need to be corrected. You've got to be open to the possibility that you've got blind spots in your life and that you need some other people to come in and help you see a better way. Now, we're not talking about negotiating divine truth or moral positions. We teach here at our church. You can go back into our, 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 um, our YouTube channel and find the series we did a couple of years ago called Doxa, which is a Greek word for, for beliefs. There are seven core beliefs that are non-negotiable for us, and we believe should be non-negotiable for anybody who calls Jesus Lord. And then for us as a church, we've got about 17 that we kind of anchor up onto that we talk about when we do a Discover City Life, which is we'll probably be doing one of those in the next month or so to help you learn more about who the church is. But beyond that, there's all kinds of open-handed issues with how we interpret the Bible. There's all kinds of different things that we believe about society and, and practice, things that we're handed down to us because of our ethnicity, because of our cultural norms. You just be open to the possibility that you might need to be the one who changes their thinking. The Bible's infallible. The Holy Spirit is infallible, but we are not. And part of this gift of being in community with each other is doing a deep dive into the things in our own lives that need to change. Diversity through consideration, collaboration, and celebration. I think there's going to be people that get to heaven, they're going to be surprised at who's there, and they're going to be surprised at who's not there. You with me? 
You, 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 you've got to be willing to embrace the idea that Jesus is doing all kinds of things in all kinds of lives. Generosity, our boldest gift. Now, I already talked a little bit about finances, so I don't want to belabor this point, but generosity is a core value for here, for us here at City Life Church. If you believe in the biblical principle of tithing, you should be practicing that. If you don't believe in the biblical principle of tithing, you should at least believe in the basic biblical principle of generosity. And generosity in the Bible is always described as sacrificial giving. If, if, if you're giving, if, if City Life Church is the church that you call home, you should be financially invested here. If City Life Church is not the church that you're going to call home, wherever you end up, be financially invested there. And it doesn't cross the threshold of generosity until you feel it. It, doesn't, it does not cross the threshold of generosity until you feel it. I, I heard a pastor, a friend of mine, share just this week, and he, and he used this statement. He said, he said, don't just earn a living. Don't, don't, don't live a life that's just about earning a living. Live a life that's, that's about making a life possible for someone else. It's like, oh, come on, that's so good. Because right? so much of our Western culture is about our own standard of living, and it's chasing this uh, American dream. Jesus does not have an American dream. He's got a kingdom dream. And part of that kingdom dream is about sacrifice. Part of that kingdom dream is about us having a little bit less so someone else can have just enough, just enough. Let's be a church that stores up our treasures in heaven, and we hope that you're inspired to, not, not through compulsion, but inspired. I, I think that giving is from January to May keeps going up, not because you're strong-armed here at City Life, it's because you're being inspired. It's because you're being inspired. The last one is this, is community, our strongest bond. For our core values. Something happens in your life when you see Jesus dying on a cross and you realize he died not just so that you could be reconciled to God, but so you could be reconciled to people around you. Something happens inside of you when you realize when you make a vow of devotion to Christ, not only is your relationship with God restored, but you're born into a spiritual family. Jesus died not so just you could be an only child. Jesus died because he wanted you to find the sense of connection with other people that you're going to spend an eternity with. When I think we, we moved here in 2007, and we moved here, there, were, there, there are people that are here in this church now that were here when we came, and you were strangers to us, and we were strangers to you, and I hope you feel the same way. I, I don't want to imagine my life without knowing you. But it's Jesus' death on the cross that made that relationship possible. People that I'm just, that you're new to the church, but you're, this is the church that you're calling home. I think about the life groups that we're in now and new people that we're meeting, the life groups that we've been doing for the last few years, people that we're meeting. I'm thinking to myself, I don't, I don't want to think of my life without these friendships and without these relationships. I hope you're having that same experience. I hope that you're finding that your life is being enriched by the relationships of the people around you because Jesus died on the cross for that too. For you to be reconciled to God and for us to be reconciled to one another. We've got one central message here at City Life. I am at one with God, rescued from myself, just as if I'm perfect because Jesus paid it all. If you were to ask me to define the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, it's these four statements. This, this is the central message of this church. They come from four fancy theological terms of atonement, redemption, justification, and propitiation. Now, you don't have to learn those four words, but I'm asking that you learn these four phrases. 
because this speaks to the human condition. Every single person on this planet, their aching need deep inside their soul is to know God and to be known by Him. And until they find that, until that's satisfied for them, they're going to be empty for the rest of their days. Every single person that's born into this world is born with a desire and a need to be at one with God. That's why Jesus talks about it as a thirst. That's why he talks about it as a hunger. That's why he talks about it in the terms of being born again because this ache inside of us for acceptance is something that's very real that we can relate to, that we can understand. Jesus is saying your soul has all of those same aches and longings when it comes to the Father to be at one with him, rescued from myself, not rescued from the devil. We believe in the devil. He's the enemy of the soul. He brings temptation into our lives, but he's not the only one. Not rescued from your ex-husband, although him and the devil might be synonymous for you. (laughs) Not rescued from your boss at work that you don't like, from your mother-in-law. Not my mother-in-law. She's awesome, just in case she's listening. (laughs) No, she is awesome. There's all kinds of things that you want to be rescued from in this life, right? But can I just tell you the thing that you need to be rescued most in this life is yourself. It's yourself. We're we're our own worst enemy. Our inclination for sin knows no bounds. You and I, we need to be rescued from ourselves. See, we have this longing to be at one with God, but it's impossible for us to achieve because of the brokenness of who we are that we're born into, that we inherited from Adam and Eve. We've been talking about it in this series, the story of the Bible. Just as if I'm perfect. This is a powerful part of the gospel. You cannot reconcile your relationship with God on your own because of all the mistakes that we've made. In fact, because of the holiness of God, because of the perfectness of God, because of the judgment of God, here we are in this desperate need. We are our own greatest enemy, and the only way that we can come into a relationship with Him is to step onto a plane of perfection that is equal to who He is. And that plane is impossible for us, which comes this last one because Jesus paid it all. 2,000 years ago, when Jesus died on the cross, he made it possible for us in our imperfection to be perfect, to be clothed in his righteousness, for us to be able to step into a relationship with God for now and all eternity. I'm at one with God, rescued from myself, just as if I'm perfect, because Jesus paid it all. I'm hoping that there's people that are here tonight, whether you're here in this room or whether you're watching online, that maybe you've never thought about this ache inside of you before. Maybe you've never wrestled with the idea of how there's a brokenness inside of you. Maybe you've you've never contemplated this idea that this relationship with God is impossible. And maybe all of a sudden for the first time in your life, you're realizing all this stuff that you've been chasing is to satisfy this longing inside of you. And maybe for the first time in your life, you're learning that Jesus is the answer. We want to be a church that helps people realize that Jesus is the only answer. So this is our dream that one day all of heaven will declare that there's no other place on the planet that's easier to find. And we're not talking about that city life is going to be easy to find. And we're not even saying that we're hoping that Christians are easy to find. Because Christians and churches have been easy to find for millennia. 
What needs to be easy to find is Jesus. And do churches and Christians have a part to play in that? They do. They do. But only to the degree that they serve the greater dream, which is that Jesus is easy to find. Because it's only Jesus that changes people's lives. You've heard me say this before, and I'm going to keep saying it. I've spent too much of my life as a pastor trying to make the church where I was working easy to find. I turned 55 this year. You cross halfway. You begin to realize that sometimes you chase some things, and you chase the wrong things. I don't want City Life Church to be easy to find in the 757. I want Jesus to be easy to find in the 757. I want him to be easy to find. So we've distilled it down to this one simple phrase, for Jesus to be easy to find in our city. If somebody asks you what this church is about, if you can't remember anything else, I hope you remember that. It's a church that wants Jesus to be easy to find, to be easy to find in our city. Easy to find. You can say 757, maybe whatever city you're in, whatever part of the city that you're in. For me, maybe that's I want Jesus to be easy to find in Denby. I want Jesus to be easy to find. Maybe you'll say Carrollton, Smithfield, Pocosin. Yeah, even Pocosin. Jesus can be easy to find there. For Jesus to be easy to find in our city. 2,000 years ago, there were, there were parts of, of Israel where Jesus was easy to find. You read stories all throughout the Bible where people heard where he was going to be and they went there to find him. This is my dream for our city. That that people are going to come to the 757 because they heard that Jesus is easy to find here. Because we believe that he still heals. Because we believe that he still saves. Because we believe that he still speaks to people. That he's not just an idea. He's not just a doctrine. We're not practicing religious intellectualism here. We believe that Jesus is alive and that he's present and that he's present. I don't think we're going to close in a song tonight, but maybe you can, whoever's playing the keys can come up. Just a minute. So this is our mission. It's to tell the story of the gospel and to live the way of Jesus. That's what we're about here. We introduced this at our anniversary service at the end of January. If Jesus is going to be easy to find in our city, it means that there's going to be some people like you in this room that are willing to give the rest of your lives to telling the story of the gospel and to living the way of Jesus. Because one of the greatest ways for Jesus to be found is through your character. One of the greatest ways for Jesus to be found is through your attitudes. One of the greatest ways for Jesus to be found is by you being the hands of feet in Jesus in this world. One of the greatest ways for Jesus to be found is that people are willing to tell the story of the gospel when prompted by the Holy Spirit. It goes back to this idea of assignment. God doesn't have to use us. He's not desperate for our help, but he gives us the privilege and he says, why don't you come along and do this work with me? I don't know about you, but sometimes I try to think about what it's going to be when I stand in heaven in eternity, I want there to be some people there that look at me and say, I'm here because of you. You know why? Because there's going to be people when I get there, I'm going to find them because I'm going to be there because of them. People that ministered to me and challenged me, people that found me when I was at a dark and broken place early in life, God used them. I I can't wait to find them and say, I'm here 
because of you. I was hanging out with Michael Thaler, who's the founder of Effective Ministries and a good friend of mine, and, and, uh, and, and, and he said to me, he said, Fred, he said, make sure your church knows that there's going to be a line of people from Niger that are going to be in heaven because of them. Come on. There's a lot of things that we live for in this life that are meaningful, that are important, that are purposeful. And I'm not saying that we should abandon all of those things. But I'm just saying make sure that the kind of things that we're talking about tonight are at the top of your list. At the top of your list. I'm going to close with the story out of Luke chapter 5. This is our example. One day. I hope there's going to be a whole lot of one days in the 757 because of the people that are in this room, because of the people that are watching online. One day, as Jesus was preaching on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, great crowds pressed in on him to listen to the word of God. Why? Because they knew where to find him. They knew where to find him. He noticed two empty boats at the water's edge for the fishermen had left them and were washing their nets. And stepping into one of the boats, Jesus asked Simon, its owner, to push it out into the water. And so he sat in the boat and taught the crowds from there. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, now go out to where it's deeper and let down your nets to catch some fish. Master, Simon replied, we worked hard all last night and didn't catch a thing. But if you say so, I'll let the nets down again. And this time their nets were so full of fish, they began to tear. A shout for help brought their partners in the other boat, and soon both boats were filled with fish on the verge of sinking. When Simon Peter realized what had happened, he fell to his knees before Jesus and said, Oh Lord, please leave me. I'm too much of a sinner to be around you. For he was awestruck by the number of fish they had caught. As were the others with him, his partners, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, were also amazed. Jesus replied to Simon, don't, don't be afraid. From now on, you will be fishing for people. And as soon as they landed, they left everything and they followed him. Stand with me. This is my prayer for our church. That we're going to live the rest of our days together in Luke chapter 5 in our witness that because of how we live, because of what we proclaim, because of what we share, there's going to be one day after one day after one day where people find Jesus where they are because of who you are as their neighbor, because of who you are in the workplace, because of who you are when you're in line at the grocery store, that there's going to be a one day for people that Jesus is going to be easy to find because of us, because of our witness, because of our example because of the lives that we live. And that people, when they find Jesus, just like 2,000 years ago, they're going to discover who he is. They're going to discover who they are, which is unworthy. And like Peter and the rest of those in their crowd, that they're going to be willing to put the full weight of their lives on him. Father, I pray for Luke chapter 5, one days for the rest of our days. We want people to find you. We want people to know who you are. We want people to see themselves in the light of the gospel. And we trust that just as it was for Peter and their others on that day, that people are going to put the full weight of their lives on you.
They're going to be born into your family. They're going to experience the gift of forgiveness. They're going to know the joy of your salvation. In Jesus' name, come on, and everybody said together.